What a wonderful turnout. Hello, everybody. Buenos Aires, good afternoon, and welcome to John Jay College. We are delighted that you're all here. Uh, please accept my apologies for the delay, but we are just thrilled that we have this opportunity to welcome to John Jay College the President of the Dominican Republic, Dr. Leonel Fernandez. I would like to recognize uh, that we have a number of dignitaries who have joined us. Then I'm going to ask for Dr. Morales to bring us greetings from the university. We also have the distinct honor of having Stephanie Montero here, who is the head of our Dominican <laughs> Student Association. So let me first say that we extend a very, very special welcome to the First Lady of the Dominican Republic, Margarita Sedeño de Fernandez. We also have with us the Honorable Roberto Saladin, the Ambassador to the United States. The Honorable Eduardo Selman, the Secretary of State. Nice to see you the Ambassador Juan Avila the, from the Permanent Mission to the United Nations. We have a number of important officials from our state government and city government. I'll recognize first our Secretary of State, Lorraine Cortez, in the back. Uh, Guillermo Linares, the former Commissioner of Immigrant Affairs. Assemblyman Adriano Espaillat from Washington Heights. And I'm told that Assemblyman Nelson Castro from the Bronx is here as well. And uh, it gives me a distinct pleasure to welcome my colleague, the president, new president of Hostos Community College of the City University of New York, uh, Dr. Felix Matos. Is, there he is, right, great. Okay. <laughs> so to bring us greetings from the City University of New York, please join me in welcoming one of our trustees, a man who is an indefatigable voice on behalf of the Dominican Republic, somebody who speaks on behalf of this community with great eloquence and passion and knows the community firsthand many years as a, as a practicing physician, Dr. Hugo Morales. Thank you, Jeremy. Honorable Presidente de la República, Dr. Leonel Fernández, Primera Dama, Margarita Cedeño de Fernández, President Jeremy Travis, distinguished guests. It is indeed a great pleasure a great honor to bring greeting from the City University to this wonderful event. It is wonderful because we all here celebrating the Dominican individual. We have a long-standing relationship uh, between Hugo and Mr. President and CUNY. I'm particularly proud of the change program that we have where many Hundreds of students are coming every year to be trained in this country. I'm proud because they are keeping the grade at the same level of any American student. And remember, they came here without great knowledge of English. So this is a great accomplishment. We're very proud of them. And also very proud that after many months of working interviewing many candidates, we officially were able to select the new president for Osto Community College. And this president, we expect a great deal of you, from you, Ophelia uh, Matos. Stand up, take a big bow.
This is a great moment for CUNY and especially for John Jay. Thank you very much. Allow me to recognize a couple more prominent public officials who have joined us. Uh, Councilmember Gail Brewer is here, representing this district. And it gives me a personal pleasure to acknowledge that we are joined by the Honorable Rolando Acosta, Judge of the Appellate Division of the First Department. Rolando, good friend. So this is an event for students. We are in the education business at John Jay and CUNY. So I want to ask, before we introduce Stephanie, to talk about the, to bring greetings on behalf of the Dominican Student Association, I'd like to ask some of the students to stand, those who are here studying at CUNY, because you are a recipient of a scholarship made possible by Dr. Fernandez. Would those pl please stand? We'd like to acknowledge you. Now stay standing, stay standing, but recognize that your educational opportunity at John Jay or at CUNY has been made possible by this man. So I know that you feel very grateful for him, you just had a chance to see him upstairs, but I want to ask other students who are here who were born in the Dominican Republic to stand. <laughs> and finally, fi no, stay standing. I didn't ask you to sit. Stay standing. Those of you who trace your lineage through your parents or grandparents to the Dominican Republic, please stand. So Mr. President, you may wonder why it is that at John Jay we consider ourselves to be an extension of the Dominican Republic. <laughs> Thanks, please be seated. Now to bring greetings from our Dominican Student Association, I'm very pleased to introduce to you a junior majoring in political science who's the president of that association, Stephanie Montero. Good afternoon, distinguished guests, members of the faculty, staff, and fellow students. I am Stephanie Montero, president of the Dominican Students Association here at John Jay College. <laughs> Today, we are honored to host the Honorable Dr. Leonel Fernandez, the president of the Dominican Republic. The Dominican Student Association... <laughs> The Dominican Student Association is honored and proud to have the privilege of meeting the leader of our native country. At our first meeting of the semester, it was with much excitement that I announced that Dr. Fernandez will be here at our college today. Given Dr. Fernandez's work in criminal justice in the Dominican Republic, we are th all thrilled at the opportunity to hearing him speak on criminal justice reform. On behalf of the 14,000 students at John Jay College and the Dominican Student Association, please join me in welcoming the Honorable Dr. Leonel Fernandez. So Before Dr. Fernandez comes up, I just want to say a few words about the relationship between Dr. Fernandez and John Jay. President Fernandez, in so many ways, we feel, as you can see in this room, a very close kinship between you and our college. In many ways, your life story embodies the ideal of this college and this university. 
your journey to the presidency of the Dominican Republic provides inspiration to all of our students. You were born in the Dominican Republic, but moved to New York City as a child, growing up in Washington Heights, educated at the Louis D. Brandeis High School here on the west side of Manhattan. <laughs> you returned to the Dominican Republic to attend the Autonomous University of Santo Domingo, where you studied law and graduated with honors, but more importantly, like so many of our students, became an active participant in the political debates of your time, setting the stage for your rapid rise to leadership positions in your party and in your country. You became an important intellectual force in your country and around the world. In 1996, you were elected president of the Dominican Republic, the youngest head of state in Latin America. After a four-year hiatus during which you established an influential foundation and think tank, you returned to political life, elected to a second, and then, most recently, a third term. Throughout all of your public service, you have championed new ideas and have implemented highly effective policies that have brought positive change to the Dominican Republic. This is a great personal story, one of which all of us, particularly the students at John Jay, can identify with from Washington Heights to global heights, to the heights of global leadership. So we like to think of you as a typical John Jay student, smart, ambitious, engaged with the world, and committed to the cause of justice. We applaud you for your work on police reform in the Dominican Republic. We admire your efforts to bring science to the difficult work of crime scene analysis. We respect your vision that a strong economy can flourish only if communities are safe and that safety requires a commitment to human rights. We are particularly honored that you have asked this college to be your partner in these historic efforts. Our faculty members have provided leadership training to the Policia Nacional. Our forensic scientists have worked with your government to establish a forensic lab and crime scene investigation capability. We have worked to create a modern crime reporting, crime analysis, and crime mapping system. And for the past two summers, our students, some of them here, have taken courses in Santo Domingo studying criminology. We are proud of our collaboration with the Dominican Republic and look forward to a continuing, vibrant partnership. So now, please join me in welcoming a global leader for justice, Dr. Leonel Fernandez. Thank you, President Travis, for such a warm introduction. Thanks to all of you for being here today. And uh, I would like to, on behalf of my wife, who is uh, an attorney with a criminal justice background in her own right, to greet all of you here today, uh, Dr. Hugo Morales, longtime friend, uh, and Stephanie, Stephanie Montero, whom I have met today just recently. And uh, when she came up to me, she said, I am the president of the Dominican Students Association here at John Jay College, so this is from a president to a president. <laughs> and I only said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, I would also like to acknowledge here the presence of our ambassador in Washington, Dr. Roberto Saladin, our newly appointed consul here at the city of New York, Rafael Evans, uh, also, Eduardo Selman, the previous consul and uh, Secretary of State. Uh, Felix Bautista, also Secretary of State from the Dominican Republic. Uh, Dominican elected officials whom I've seen recently, Guillermo Linares, Adriano Espaillat, and of course, the newly uh, appointed or elected president of Austos College. I don't know if you're elected or appointed. Appointed. Uh, Dr. Felix Matos, uh, a new friend from Puerto Rico and also a new Dominican. Uh, so thank you, thank you so much. Uh, today, I've been invited here uh, to talk a little bit about security issues in the Dominican Republic. But before I get into that, uh, I would like to say that it's truly an honor to be here at John Jay College. This is a very prestigious uh, institution of higher learning.
that as President Travis has said, uh, has also a uh, long-standing relationship with the Dominican Republic and with the uh, national police in the Dominican Republic. And also I'm very proud to say that uh, uh, we have uh, Dominican students here uh, studying at John Jay College, some with a scholarship funded by the Dominican government that we just recently saw. But other uh, Dominicans living here in New York that are also taking courses here at John Jay and other from uh, Dominican descent. So I'm very proud uh, to know that we have such a large group of Dominican students preparing themselves here at John Jay College to be future public servants for the city of New York, for the US, but also for the Dominican Republic. So my congratulations to all of you. And uh, the problem I'll be addressing today, the problem of uh, drug trafficking, crime, and violence, is uh, one of the most important issues facing not only the Dominican Republic, but also the whole Caribbean, Latin America, and the world, I would say. We in the Dominican Republic uh, think of the uh, violence, crime, and drug trafficking as perhaps the major challenge we are facing in the country. But we tend to think inwardly and not consider that this is a problem that's taking place in the rest of the world. Just recently, I was in Egypt participating in the Non-Aligned Movement Summit, and I had the privilege and the honor to sit next to the president of Afghanistan and the president of uh, Serbia and the president of Turkey during the lunchtime. And we began an informal conversation about what were the major problems each of these countries were facing. And we began speaking about Afghanistan and the war in Afghanistan. And all of a sudden, the president of Afghanistan, President Karzai said, one of the problems we have here has to do with heroin. There's heroin production in Afghanistan, and this helps subsidize or fund the Taliban, the Al-Qaeda, and all the terrorist groups. But part of this heroin gets into Russia, and then there is a Russian mafia that deals with the Afghan heroin. And then the president from Serbia jumped in and he said, well, we have a problem in Serbia too, and it has to do with heroin coming from Afghanistan. And also the same uh, uh, drug coming through Turkey into uh, the Balkans. So all of a sudden I realized that when we talk about cocaine trafficking in the Caribbean, it becomes heroin trafficking in Russia, in Turkey, in the Balkans, in the Middle East. So drug trafficking is a world problem. It is a global problem that is affecting all of us, not only the Dominican Republic or the Caribbean or Latin America. So I begin by saying that during the first decade of the 21st century and throughout well, the Latin American hemisphere, the safety of our citizens and the possibility of improving their living conditions and exercising their basic rights have been obstructed by a wave of transnational criminal activity that has fostered rising crime rates and violence in the region. As pernicious as this curse has become, countries of the region have made important strides in tackling this very serious problem. In contrast to the situation just about a decade ago, when I would say there was no problem of drug trafficking or consumption consumption in the Dominican Republic, our entire hemisphere faces an explosion of transnational community criminal activity that affects our ability to govern democratically. Citizens increasingly fear for their lives in the very neighborhoods where they live. Each and every country in Latin America faces, faces a severe threat to citizen security, which is caused by both internal domestic factors and the evolution of transnational criminal activity. Perceptions of insecurity in Latin America, uh, we see that, I don't know if we can see a chart over here, I would like to show you a chart. The sense of perception of insecurity in Latin America, in this chart we have 23 Latin American and Caribbean countries. 
with a very high perception of insecurity, beginning with Argentina and then following with Peru and the others. Dominican Republic, in the regional context, uh, fares relatively well. Among those 23 countries, Dominican Republic is number 15 in terms of perception of crime and insecurity. So it's not good news, but within the context of Latin America, we deal fairly well, relatively fairly well. On victimization, there's another chart I would like to show you. Surprisingly, uh, citizens of countries like Chile and Uruguay, who have a long tradition of uh, tranquility, of stability and security, they report a much higher rate of victimization than the Dominican Republic. Our ranking, of course, is not the result of chance, but of our very serious policy efforts we've been doing in this area. How has the Dominican Republic responded to the insecurity problem? When I came back into office uh, in the year 2004, public opinion polls show that uh, Dominican citizens ranked the problem of violent crime and personal security at the very top next to the economic crisis that affected our country between 2002 and 2003. In addition to the negative growth rates to the spiraling inflation, high unemployment that we had in the Dominican Republic at the time, when I left office in the year 2000, unemployment was 13.7%. And from 2000 to 2004, it jumped to 19.7%. So unemployment was uh, something to be worried about in 2004 when I came back into office. Inflation jumped to 60%. The exchange rate, which is the relationship between the dollar and the peso, I left office in the year 2000, 16 pesos to the dollar. It went up to almost 60 pesos to the dollar. So these were the concerns Dominicans had in 2004, the economic crisis due to banking failures and of course due to this exchange rate uh, situation with the currency that we faced in the Dominican Republic. But next to that, next to the economic crisis, the financial crisis, the unemployment, inflation, and all that, the uh, second thing that really mattered most to Dominicans was the situation in related to rising urban crime, uh, to drug trafficking, to violence that was taking place in our cities. Our assessment at the time led us to believe that unless dramatic steps were taken, our country risked falling into the pattern of crime and violence that has affected so many countries in Latin America and the Caribbean. So we had to take these dramatic steps. And in order to do that, we began by examining what other countries in the region had done in attempting to address crime and violence. With the assistance of Dominican and foreign experts, right here from John Jay College, but also from the uh, organization called uh, New Link and Florida International University, FIU, uh, with the Dominican police officers here in New York and in other cities in Washington, D.C., so with the assistance of them, uh, we examined in detail the lessons learned throughout Latin America, uh, but of course, lessons learned right here in New York City, which had been successful uh, with a crime drop that was really uh, impressive and recognized worldwide. Back in 2004, we had a uh, homicide rate of 26.1 per 100,000 citizens. The Latin American average is 30,000, uh, 30% per 100,000 citizens, which is very high, perhaps the highest in the world as, as, a, as a region. Dominican Republic was below the average Latin American uh, crime rate, 26.1, but still very high, still very high. So uh, with that high homicide rate of 26.1 per 100,000, in 2004, the Dominican Republic was on the verge of joining the most violent countries in the hemisphere. So we learned how most countries with high crime rates inevitably also face serious development problems. So there is a correlation between crime, violence, and development. And we always try to establish this connection. It is very difficult for the Dominican Republic or for any nation 
to implement a national strategy for development if it does not have a policy implemented to control drug trafficking, crime, and violence. So we settled on a concept that we did not create it in the Dominican Republic. This is not of our creation. The concept of democratic security, el concepto de seguridad democrática, which is something that we learned from the Colombians. Uh, the Uribe government, el gobierno del presidente Uribe en Colombia, creó el concepto de seguridad democrática. And we understood, we studied, that President Uribe have been, has been very successful in implementing a democratic security policy uh, in, in, in Colombia. And so we did this in the Dominican Republic to emphasize the comprehensive or integral nature of our citizen security program. My administration has defined uh, citizen security along two dimensions. First, it involves guaranteeing the rights of citizens to exercise their basic civil, social, and economic rights. That's why we call it democratic. It's a democratic security. We have to guarantee each citizen their rights. But secondly, it involves also guaranteeing public security so that citizens can exercise these rights, especially the freedom of movement in their own neighborhoods, as well as the right to not fear for their lives uh, or physical integrity. Due to our comparative analysis, uh, we concluded in the DR that crime and violence in Latin America and the Caribbean have multiple roots and causes. Not only one cause, but multiple roots and causes. Among others, poverty, inequality and social exclusion, demographic explosion, family breakdown, violence of all types, especially intra-family violence, lack of state presence in action, marginal populations and informality, and impunity across the board. Our country experienced a very fast-paced urbanization pattern since the 1970s that sent millions of people into the cities. I will take a date, a very significant date in the Dominican Republic, 1961 with the death of Trujillo. In 1961, we had 70% of the Dominican population living in the countryside, only 30% in the cities. Now it's the other way around. 70% of our population nowadays are living in the urban areas and only 30% in the countryside. Now this is a demographic change that has taken place in a very short period of time. If we go back to history, in Europe, it took over 200 years after the Industrial Revolution for this transition from countryside into urban areas. In Latin America, it has only taken about less than 100 years. In the Dominican Republic, less than 50 years. So there has been an acceleration of the urbanization process, but with a problem. The problem is that when campesinos move from the countryside into the cities, they're looking for jobs in manufacturing plants that do not exist in our countries. So instead of making a shift from campesinos to trabajadores, they form part of the marginal sector of our societies. They're marginalized. And economically, they form part of the informal sector. There are street vendors more than workers. And we all know this because we've seen it in all our countries. Esta transición, let me say this in Spanish so we can perhaps communicate better. Este proceso de transición demográfica en Europa se tomó prácticamente 200 años. Después, del después de la revolución industrial, Europa tomó prácticamente dos siglos para hacer una transición desde una masa campesina hasta la creación de ciudades. Lo único que cuando esas personas se trasladaban a las nuevas ciudades, encontraban empleos en los centros industriales y por consiguiente se convirtieron en trabajadores o proletarios. En el caso de América Latina, en el caso de República Dominicana, lo que ha ocurrido es que al llegar a las ciudades no hay industrias y por consiguiente en lugar de ser trabajadores, en lugar de ser proletarios, se convierten en una masa marginal, socialmente marginal. 
y, por supuesto, desde el punto de vista económico, pasan a ser parte de lo que se denomina la economía informal, que todos nosotros identificamos claramente con los vendedores ambulantes, los que venden los, este, los que venden caña, los que venden frutas, los que venden todo esto por la calle, esa es la masa marginal desempleada que sobrevive sobre la base de la economía informal. Eso va a tener un impacto, sin duda alguna, en lo que tiene que ver con la seguridad ciudadana, ¿verdad? esa transición demográfica que se viene dando. Rural Dominicans who came into cities seeking employment and to improve their living conditions instead populated an informal sector that employs over 50% of our economic active uh, population. At the same time, as law enforcement efforts elsewhere in the region attempted to bring drug trafficking under control, one of the unexpected consequences was that our country became an important transit point for drugs heading uh, to Europe and the United States. But not only that, it also has to do with geography. Dominican Republic is at the center, at the heart of the Caribbean. There is a production, a supply side of drugs in the south, in the Andean countries, and there is a demand market in the north. So Dominican Republic becomes a center of transshipment for the drugs. This is the major reason why there has been an increase in crime rate in our country. As we became a convenient transit point for tr drug traffickers, our youth, especially in the barrios, became extremely vulnerable to micro-trafficking, something that has led to increasing levels of drug consumption and addiction. The baseline study that we commissioned, uh, that my government commissioned, concluded that the Dominican Republic's principal problems were, first, inadequate law enforcement strategies and a severe lack of resources to combat criminal activity. That's number one. Number two, crowded living conditions in the neighborhoods. Long-lasting daily power blackouts. In Spanish, we say apagones, and that you understand better. Muchos apagones. Se fue la luz. Es una manera más, más polite de decirlo. <laughs> An historical lack of political will and a serious problem of irresponsible behavior by government authorities. Historical lack of responsibility. Limited alternatives and opportunities for Dominican youth. High unemployment and prevalence of informal sector activities, as I said before. Social decomposition collapse of families, and inversión de valores. Possession of sophisticated weapons by criminal groups, and very limited space for communal participation, and of course, lack of community unity. We also found out uh, in this study that uh, the government commissioned, a rising drug and alcohol abuse. Let me stop here for a second just to explain this. I said before that the Dominican Republic became a transit point, a gateway you know, for drugs coming from the producing countries in the south, particularly the Andean countries, and then shipping that drug into to the north, uh, Puerto Rico, US, and Europe. Now, part of that drug was beginning to stay in the Dominican Republic because drug traffickers were not paying in cash, but with the product. And when that product stayed in the Dominican Republic, it began a new market of consumption in the Dominican Republic. And that's how our youth began consuming drugs. Ten years ago, we didn't have a consumption problem in the Dominican Republic. This only started when part of the drug was given as payment for the uh, transshipment that was done through Dominican territory. So there has been a rising drug and alcohol abuse in the last ten years. The expansion of major drug trafficking routes through our country. Micro drug trafficking, which is a major problem. El microtrafico, ¿no? que se crea en los barrios. Antes no teníamos ese problema. We got now the micro drug trafficking and consumption in the poor neighborhoods. And then serious law enforcement problems, uh, including corruption in our law enforcement institutions, poorly trained and equipped police force, 
and antiquated security factor. In short, uh, we had to design a plan that would deal both with violence and crime, but also with the underlying causes of the problem. And of course, this was not an easy task. So how did we go to deal about it? What have we done since coming back into office in 2004? On February 27, 2005, I announced uh, the Democratic Security Plan and in, the, in my State of the Union address that year. Los 27 de febrero, el presidente siempre tiene que pronunciar un discurso ante la Asamblea Nacional. El 27 de febrero del 2005 se lanzó el Plan de Seguridad Democrática, eh, que ya hemos llamado el Democratic Security Plan. Ahí nació el Plan de Seguridad Democrática de República Dominicana. Even before it was, it was implemented, the entire country began to demand an immediate response. The coordination of the plan was charged to the Secretary of Interior and Police. La Secretaría de Interior y Policía se convirtió en el eje central de la aplicación del programa de seguridad democrática. But also the Attorney General, en español es el Procurador General de la República, y, y yo ahora hago la traducción, porque yo sé que a veces uno aprende la palabra en inglés y después no la sabe decir en español. ¿verdad? Yo hace poco oía a unos niños que estaban tratando de envolver una mercancía. Yo sé que en inglés se dice to wrap it up. Entonces me decían, ¿por qué ahora tengo que rapear esto? ¿Eh? Entonces, bueno, para que sepamos que el Attorney General es el Procurador General, lo digo en los dos. ¿Eh? The, the Attorney General, no, no es una mala palabra, está mal dicha. The Attorney General and the Chief of the National Police joined the Secretary in coordinating the implementation of the policy. O sea, tenemos el Procurador General, tenemos el Secretario de Interior y Policía coordinando, Procurador General y el Jefe de la Policía Nacional al frente del Programa de Seguridad Democrática. So our vision would be first to respect basic uh, citizens' rights, which I spoke about before, but second is to modernize state, state security institutions, modernize these institutions, which means transforming the national police in such a way that it respects and enforces the rights of all Dominican citizens. Transforming the national police, goal number one. Two, to become the engine of comprehensive state action on the security side, which means mobilize action including the participation of civil society organizations. So for us, combating crime, violence, and drug trafficking is not only a law enforcement uh, activity, is a broad comprehensive activity that deals with transforming the police, that deals with equipping the police, training the police, but also incorporating, integrating civil society organizations at the neighborhood levels with these institutions in a preventive way. Not only law enforcement, but also preventing crime in our neighborhoods. So the components of our plan are, once again, modernization and professionalization of the National Police. And this is where John Jay College of Criminal Justice plays a key role. John Jay College has been training uh, Dominican police forces in the Dominican Republic and right here in New York. And we're going to continue that uh, before I enter this room, we were, we we're having a conversation with uh, President Travis about the need to update our program of collaboration with the Dominican Police Force. And I know that through this professionalization of the Dominican Police Force, with, the, uh, with learning about new technologies and how to implement these technologies, John Jay, Community, John Jay College of Criminal Justice will be making a great service to the Dominican Republic, and I want to say here that we are very grateful for that collaboration, President Travis. <laughs> Secondly, in our, in our plan is something we call Safe Neighborhood Program. En español decimos, el programa Barrio Seguro, que ha sido, yo diría, el componente esencial del programa de seguridad democrática, el programa Barrio Seguro. We have this program now in effect in more than 100 neighborhoods. Of course, strengthening our crime policy, a des designing and development of a prevention and security program, 
special crime prevention measures in tourist areas and the colonial zone, design and implementation of a communication strategy. Let me speak a little bit about Barrio Seguro, or uh, the Neighborhood Safe Program. In August 2005, we launched the first major program of Barrio Seguro, a pilot initiative eh, que empezamos en el barrio de Capotillo. Many of you have heard of Capotillo. Eh? Todos los dominicanos han oído hablar del barrio de Capotillo. Pues tomamos el barrio de Capotillo como el proyecto piloto para el programa de seguridad democrática. ¿Por qué Capotillo? Porque era el barrio que en esos momentos estaba siendo más afectado por la actividad criminal, por el narcotráfico y por la violencia. As we embarked on the Capotillo experiment, we anticipated certain results. As a multifaceted experiment, it involves establishing the presence of the police. Por supuesto, la presencia de la policía. Incrementar la presencia de la policía en el barrio de Capotillo. Following a six-month process of finding officers that met the severe training and ethical requirements that we established. Barrio Seguro also involves the coordination of multiple agencies ranging from CDE, no, the power utility company, to ensure that blackouts were addressed promptly and that scheduled nighttime outages were suspended or shifted to the day. O sea, Barrio Seguro empieza, primero, incrementando la presencia de la policía, pero segundo, un proceso de entrenamiento de nuevos oficiales policiales para este programa especial. Pero en tercer lugar es ahora integrando a otras instituciones del gobierno, no solo la policía, empezando con la Corporación Dominicana de Electricidad, que tiene que garantizar disminuir el número de apagones en el barrio. Y si no hay forma de evitar los apagones, que entonces no se den de noche, sino que se produzcan durante el día para prevenir las actividades criminales. También la coordinación con la Secretaría de Educación, de Deportes, de Cultura y la Secretaría de Salud. Deportes va a organizar juegos interbarriales. Cultura organizará eventos culturales. La Secretaría de Salud procederá a acciones, digamos, de atención primaria de salud. Este, y educación procederá a la construcción, reparación de escuelas, etc. Lo que estoy diciendo es que el programa de Barrio Seguro no es solo un programa de represión, es un programa integral que incluye varias instituciones. ¿Qué pasó entonces con este programa de Capotillo? The results were simply astounding. The police were no longer seen as part of the problem. Uh, and, of course, the preventive approach was welcomed by the whole community. We were impressed by the significant drop in some crime indicators especially violent deaths. In Capotillo, the murder rate dropped to nearly zero in December 2005. Empezando en febrero, sobre todo en agosto del 2005, ya para diciembre, la tasa de homicidio era cero en Capotillo como consecuencia de la aplicación de este programa. The success of Barrio Seguro led to a huge outcry from other neighborhoods for an immediate expansion of the program. Claro, si dio bien en Capotillo, todo el mundo quiere que le lleven el programa a su barrio, ¿no? Encouraged by the early results, we incorporated then an additional 12 neighborhoods in Santo Domingo, and within a year, we added 13 neighborhoods in the city of Santiago de los Caballeros, where crime had also taken a serious toll. Today, Barrio Seguro is in over 100 of the country's poorest neighborhoods nationwide. The most urgent social demand nowadays is for the expansion of the program to every neighborhood in the country, an enormous challenge that in the long term is the ultimate goal of our citizen security plan. The impact of Del Programa de Seguridad Democrática and the Safe Neighborhood Program has been positive. In our surveys, 60.2% of Dominicans in the barrios believe that crime has diminished in their neighborhoods, thanks to these programs. This perception is the result of more state presence where before the criminals controlled these areas. Since the implementation of the Safe Neighborhood Program, people's perception of security 
improved significantly in all of the neighborhoods intervened. Both our own surveys and those conducted by the University of Vanderbilt's public opinion project confirmed our success in reducing citizens' fear. In this chart, we can see esta es una encuesta. This is a survey that was taken by New Link Research in uh, September 2008. Es una encuesta de septiembre del año 2008. Y ahí que estamos viendo, la pregunta es, haciendo una evaluación del programa Barrio Seguro y del programa de seguridad democrática, ¿usted piensa que el crimen en su barrio, primero, ha aumentado? Solamente 10.4% dijo eso. Pa permanece similar a otros periodos anteriores, el 26.6%. Ha disminuido el 60.2%. De manera que el programa Barrio Seguro, de, del programa Seguridad Democrática, sin duda alguna, que ha tenido un gran éxito, y ahí se ve en la percepción de los ciudadanos acerca del impacto que el programa ha tenido. Uh, hay otra, otra gráfica, Perception of Insecurity in the DR. This is uh, also another survey uh, tomado por Barómetro de las Américas. Esta es eh, otra empresa que realizó esta encuesta. Y aquí que vemos, Perception of Insecurity. In the year 2006, 52.7% felt insecurity. The year 2008, 39.5%. So there has been a drop in the perception of insecurity and fear among the population. And this is due to the effectiveness of the Barrio Seguro program that we have implemented since 2005. The story of Barrio Seguro may be enough to convince even the most skeptical people of how a preventive development-based citizen security policy can help a country deal even with the most pervasive crime problems. Barrio Seguro, however, is but a single dimension of our citizen security initiative. Our aim has been to improve the training programs of our officers and to better equip them. We also wanted to develop a more efficient law enforcement apparatus with committed officers who have a great sense of pride of belonging who are dignified, recognized, and valued by the average uh, Dominican citizen. We also wanted to develop a new Dominican police that is mindful and respectful of human rights. Thus far, uh, the police modernization effort has translated into several concrete actions, including increased police patrolling, reaching 14,000 agents. In 2005, solamente patrullaban las calles de República Dominicana 4,000 policías. Hoy tenemos 14,000 policías que están patrullando las calles. A new organizational police structure in the national district in East, and in eastern Santo Domingo. Adoption of a community police model. Algo que aprendí de aquí. Con una joven policía que siempre me ve cuando vengo aquí a Nueva York. Descubrí la, la policía comunitaria de jóvenes voluntarios que no portan armas, sino que sirven de prevención. Eh, a ella le vi aquí, me explicó el programa y lo hemos aplicado en República Dominicana con jóvenes bachilleres, estudiantes universitarios, que entonces el gobierno les paga los estudios en la universidad y ellos contribuyen a aumentar el patrullaje policial preventivo porque no portan armas. De manera que una lección aprendida de ustedes mismos acá. Fíjense cómo Nueva York también influye en las cosas que hacemos en Santo Domingo. Por eso yo siempre he hablado de hacer de República Dominicana un Nueva York chiquito. ¿Eh? Y para, para los que no creían en eso, para los que entendían que era como un chiste que yo hacía, ahora hemos inaugurado el metro de Santo Domingo. ¿Eh? Bueno, entonces, además de esa policía comunitaria, a creation of an auxiliary police unit, better education, training, and equipment for the police, and adoption of an improved intelligence infrastructure. Servicios de inteligencia. This is key. We need to improve our intelligence for information gathering and prevent uh, a crime uh, occurrence. So our program also includes several significant reform efforts in the state prosecutor's office. Aquí ahora he hablado de las reformas de la policía, pero también ha habido cambios o reformas en la Procuraduría General de la República. Primero, con el establecimiento de un Instituto de Estudios Forensicos, 
¿no? by the uh, establishment of the National Forensic Institute. Cuando yo ejercía como abogado criminalista eh, en Santo Domingo, generalmente las pruebas descansaban mucho en el poder persuasivo del abogado, la capacidad de convencimiento que el abogado tenía, porque no teníamos investigaciones científicas sobre el crimen. That didn't exist in the Dominican Republic. No scientific data research for crime. So lawyers depended more on their logic and more on their common sense to present the evidence to the judge. Nowadays, we have a National Forensic Institute, which is a major breakthrough uh, in the Dominican Republic judicial system. The training and equipment of a forensic investigation unit. Now we have, and some of them have come to John Jay College to train in the use of this forensic investigation. The development of laboratories, laboratories to investigate the crimes. Creation of offices for assisting victims and their families and neighborhood. We call this Fiscalías Barriales. Tenemos Fiscalía, oficinas de la Fiscalía en distintos barrios, sobre todo para ver los temas de violencia intrafamiliar. Development of a new penitentiary model that has been recognized internationally. Tenemos un nuevo modelo de cárceles en República Dominicana que hemos trabajado con el gobierno de Inglaterra y esto se ve hoy como un modelo de carácter internacional. Development of a new management model for public prosecutors. We're training the prosecutors. We didn't have that before. They were just practicing lawyers who became, uh, who became members of the uh, uh, Attorney General's office. Now they're being trained in order to be part of the career. Establishment of a new money laundering bureau specializing in money laundering and the establishment of a women's affairs office. On community participation, we learned quickly that if citizen security is to be attained, it will depend largely on the involvement of the afflicted communities. This is what I meant by integrating civil society organizations at the community level. One of our goals was the development of social capital and community leadership with the basic idea that they would become the principal co-managers of the security program. Today, communities are participating in, one, promoting a healthy relationship between citizens and the national police that didn't exist before. La gente no tenía confianza en la policía. Ahora se va estableciendo una relación de confianza entre los policías y los ciudadanos. Creating participation and communication channels with state institutions. Peaceful conflict resolution schemes. Programs aimed at improving crime watch capabilities. Creando organizaciones en el barrio que permita vigilar las posibilidades de comisión del crimen y, e informarlo preventivamente a las instituciones de gobierno. Gathering of data regarding neighborhood needs. Appropriate follow-up by state institutions. También es decir, como no solamente es un tema de criminalidad, también el barrio tiene necesidades. Que, la, que le pavimenten la calle, que le arreglen los contenes, que no llegue el agua potable, que la cancha se le cayó el, el, el aro. Entonces, este grupo recoge esas necesidades y las pasa a instituciones del gobierno que deben responder a esos temas. Even though, uh, despite our best efforts, you know, several negative dimensions of the crime problem continue to be more difficult to address. Each and every month, we are aware that our gains can be diminished by any single but very public crime against any one of our citizens. So despite our best efforts that have led to a real reduction in crime indicators, public perception about insecurity is very volatile. Allow me to conclude with some uh, evaluative remarks about our citizen security plan. I would ask, I would pose a question. What has changed in the Dominican Republic? Nearly five years after implementation, our citizen security plan continues to provide a sense of freedom of movement and tranquility to residents of those generally disregarded urban areas and thereby the most affected by insecurity. At the same time, greater security has also been established in the key tourism uh, sectors of the country. The overall impact can be summarized in a few key objective results. One, overall decline in the homicide rates in the country. We said before 26.1% per 100,000. It has dropped to 22.8% to as of June 2009. 
improved perception about crime situation by residents of most neighborhoods, according to a recent survey conducted by the Santo Domingo City Council, es decir, por el Consejo del Ayuntamiento de Santo Domingo, ha visto que la percepción sobre el crimen también ha disminuido. Greater involvement by community groups in security initiatives and significant improvements in police-community relations. Conflict resolution and management throughout the public prosecutors of neighborhoods. Some sense that the security which prevails in the barrios can be projected beyond the neighborhoods. As might be expected, our program still faces many challenges. Despite the overall positive impact, urban barrio dwellers still complain about drug sales and they argue that this is the most serious issue in their neighborhoods. And it's not only that they complain, it's because this is a reality. There's a lot of drug trafficking at the micro level taking still place in the barrios. According to the, uh, our national uh, drug uh, agency, the Consejo Nacional de Drogas, we have around 19,000 uh, points in the Dominican Republic where micro-trafficking takes place. 19,000 points, 19,000 places or points where these activities take place. 19,000 puntos de drogas en la República Dominicana. Por tanto, hay que desmantelar eso. Lo que ocurre es que se desmantelan y vuelven y se reciclan. Ahí hay un problema. While police presence has increased dramatically in many barrios, this creates a problem with other neighborhoods who want the same level of attention. We simply cannot move quickly enough to meet this demand. Es decir, cuando Capotillo tiene éxito, lo quiere Villa Consuelo, y lo quiere, este, y lo quiere Villa Duarte, y lo quiere los otros barrios. Pero no hay suficientes recursos y policías para llevarlo a todos los barrios del país. Entonces, podemos ser efectivos en algunos, pero no, no en todos al mismo tiempo. While citizens perceive less police corruption in Barrio Seguro neighborhoods, corruption is still perceived as a major problem in other barrios. Police reform then continues to be a major challenge. The political culture within the institution is hard to change, but we are moving in the right path. More needs to be done to strengthen the fight against micro-trafficking of drugs, the criminality Procedure code, el Código de Procedimiento Criminal, must be revised to respond to the changing uh, crime trends and patterns. Perceptions of security, insecurity, still is very volatile. A high profile case affects the perception of the effectiveness of the plan. Lo que quiero decir es esto. Podemos ir disminuyendo la tasa de violencia y de homicidio, pero de repente un narcotraficante mata a alguien de una familia de clase media alta, que da la primera plana de los periódicos y volvemos a tener la percepción de que nada se hace para combatir el crimen, la violencia y el narcotráfico. Por eso digo que la percepción sobre seguridad es altamente volátil, cambia, depende por un solo acontecimiento. And although international cooperation has been present in some programs, the country requires more international support to supplement what we have already funded. In conclusion, I think that we have moved forward uh, these past four years through the program uh, in a very positive and effective way. We are aware of what has been achieved and uh, we are attempting to consolidate these gains. At the same time, we are also aware of the multiple and difficult challenges that lie ahead. Y por supuesto, siempre tenemos un sentido positivo y optimista hacia el futuro. Yo sé que para impregnar a su auditorio de ese optimismo, el presidente Barack Obama suele terminar sus discursos aquí diciendo, yes, we can. Y yo me he puesto a pensar, ¿cómo se dice eso en español? Y he encontrado la respuesta, es para adelante que vamos. Muchas gracias. President Fernandez, we thank you so much for that uh, inspirational address. You have uh, brought a scholarly,
clarity to the challenges that you face. You have brought the uh, wisdom of somebody who's seen life, and you have brought the courage of a rare politician. So we thank you and congratulate you. And if I may call you up, we'd like to present you with this plaque to commemorate this occasion. It reads, President Leonel Fernandez, in recognition of your commitment to criminal justice reform, President Jeremy Travis, John Jay College of Criminal Justice, September 21st, 2009. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. It's just wonderful to have you here. And a thank you to all of you for coming today. This has been a very special occasion, and we hope to see you all again. Thank you.